welcome back to the show. Today we have a special episode. We're going to be just having a nutrition section today, and that's because we have a doozy of a podcast. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about nutrition and weight loss in about 15 to 20 minutes. So buckle up. Let's get into the show. Let's just dive right into it. So here's everything you need to know about nutrition and weight loss. Concept one, food is energy and nutrients. All the food and drinks you consume contain two main things, calories and nutrients. Calories are the energy found in food or beverages. That energy is what keeps you alive and why we have to eat. That energy is what lets your heart beat and your lungs breathe and your legs move. The nutrients in your food are what allow your body to perform specific functions. Those nutrients, like vitamins and minerals, are what allow your body to make energy and the material you need to make new cells. The analogy I usually give is calories are like the gasoline in your car and nutrients are like the oil that allows the engine to run. Concept two, you need enough, but not too much. Your body is like everything else in this universe, meaning it is governed by the laws of physics. That means your body needs energy coming in to keep it functioning. Energy going out is the function. If you have too much energy going in, your body gains mass or weight. Now, this can be good or bad depending on the context. If you have too little energy going in, your body loses mass or weight. This can be good or bad depending on the context. To gain or lose weight, you need to find the right net negative or net positive situation. Concept three, the best way to change your weight is to make an educated guess and track your energy intake. Look, here's the deal. If you live outside of a scientific laboratory where you can do highly specific measurements and control every single thing about your life, the best way to change your body weight is to do the following three steps. One, Make the best guess you can about what your body expends in a day. That's essentially what our macro calculator does. Step two, track your energy intake, calories, very closely for a few weeks, probably four to six weeks, and see if your body weight changes in the direction that you want it to go. Step three, if it's going in the right direction, keep doing that. If it isn't, adjust your calorie intake up or down a few hundred calories and keep going. Repeat this exercise. Concept four, energy is priority, but nutrients matter. Remember how food has energy, calories, and nutrients? Well, there are two main kinds of nutrients, and they're divided into two criteria, whether they provide energy or not, and how large of quantities we consume them in. Macronutrients is the first type. These contain calories and are consumed in the order of magnitude of 10 grams to 1,000 grams. Protein and carbohydrates are 4 calories per gram. Fat is 9 calories per gram, meaning fat is more energy-dense per weight. That means there's more energy in the bonds that hold the fat chemicals together. Micronutrients is the second type of nutrient. These do not contain calories and are consumed in quantities generally less than 5 grams and down to micrograms, picograms, nanograms. Micronutrients may not provide energy, but they are the oil to your engine. If you don't get enough, the engine blows up. Concept five, energy out matters. 
You can lower your energy intake down to zero if you want to lose weight, but that isn't a great idea. Your energy expenditure matters a lot. In fact, if you look at the scientific data behind why people lose weight and maintain weight loss, it is because they increase the energy output along with controlling their energy intake. This doesn't mean you have to exercise. It just means you have to increase your activity. So yes, you can just walk and lose weight. Concept six, exercise is not about burning calories, but it does burn calories. Look, your 60 minutes in the gym represents 5 to 10% of your daily calorie expenditure, which can make a difference for weight loss. But the better way to look at it is that burning calories is just the price you pay to exercise. What exercise actually does is provide signals for your body to adapt. You want stronger bones? Load them with weights. You want a more efficient heart? Practice using it at higher capacity by doing cardio. You want 22-inch arms? Curl in the squat rack. Exercise is about adaptation. Movement is about burning calories. Another way to say it is burning calories is the cost you pay to elicit an adaptation from your body. Concept seven, calorie deficits are easy. Behavior is complicated. Here's the truth. You can lose weight following any sort of diet you can imagine if it is in a deficit. You want to lose 60 pounds eating five Twinkies a day? You can do that but it's going to be absolutely miserable. We actually know a lot about food and how it impacts us behaviorally, neurobiologically, hormonally, emotionally, etc. And the truth is, it's very complicated. But here are some core principles surrounding food choices that can help you develop and sustain habits that drive successful calorie deficits. One, pay attention to your food choices, whether it's tracking, journaling, mindfulness, Whatever is your jam, you have to pay attention. Two, keep food simple. The more processed, complicated, multi-ingredient food is, the more likely you are to overconsume it and the less likely you are to understand exactly what you're eating. Three, protein is a lever. The higher your diet is in protein, the easier it is to consume lower calories. Four, you have absolutely horrible estimating skills. I'm sorry, you just do but so do I. You overestimate your energy expenditure, you underestimate the food you eat, and your ability to objectively recall your feud a few days ago is abysmal. I, I, I'm not judging you. I'm just letting you know that objectively assessing in real time makes a difference. Actual assessment, not estimating. Concept eight, it is going to take work. Here's the truth. This isn't a tabloid no 30 pounds in 30 days headline. You're going to have to build some skills, change some behaviors, solve a few or a lot of problems, but it will work and it will be worth it in the long run. Concept nine, there is diminishing returns on learning more. In order to succeed at this whole health, fitness, weight loss, better you journey we're all on, you really just need a very basic level of knowledge. Anything above just understanding the basics has a very flat diminishing return curve. What you need is action and experiential knowledge. Concept 10, the macro basics. Many people think of protein as a muscle building nutrient, but it's just as important for weight loss, if not more important. Of the three macronutrients, protein may very well be the most important to optimize. 
During a diet, you're eating in a calorie deficit. You're burning more energy than you're taking in. By consuming protein, you keep muscle turnover at a favorable balance. This ensures that as you lose energy, you're shedding off more body fat while retaining more muscle. In some cases, although more rare, people can build muscle while dieting. Very select group of people. This is called body recomp, and it's only possible with sufficient protein. In addition, protein is the most energetic to digest, meaning your body turns, burns the most calories from digesting it compared to carbs and fat. The term, the meat sweats, actually has a little bit of truth to it. Your body also burns more from digesting mixed meals, which must contain protein. Another benefit of protein is satiety. On average, most protein sources are more filling than many carb and fat sources. Your body needs a certain amount of protein to maximize satiety. Anyone not used to eating enough protein will know just how filling it can be. A person can only eat so much chicken breast, especially at one meal, but despite how uncomfortably full protein may make you feel, it will ultimately help you adhere to a lower calorie diet in the short term and in the long term. Ideally, you should consume somewhere between 0.7 to 1 gram per pound per day unless you have other medical conditions. A little below or above that target, not a huge deal. Just make sure your total calories align with your goals. You should ideally spread protein out across the day, but having some meals be larger servings of protein than others doesn't really matter all that much. And yes, you can consume more than 30 grams in one meal and it doesn't all go to waste. That's pure balderdash. That's a great game, I think, from like the 90s. You should play it. Carbohydrates. At a 30,000-foot view, carbohydrates, apart from fiber, don't seem to impact weight loss any differently than dietary fat. Thus, once protein targets are met, carb and fat ratios can vary considerably with little to no difference in true weight loss. Assuming you have enough carbohydrates to fuel your training and performance, consuming more doesn't help you set more PRs or burn more calories. Fiber, as a carbohydrate, does play some role in weight loss, but it is centered mostly around its ability to provide satiety with very minimal or zero calories. Lower calorie and even higher calorie fibrous carbohydrates like broccoli, spinach, zucchini, beans, berries, and potatoes are some of the most filling foods you can include in your diet. Practically speaking, it's quite difficult to be full and satiated on a low-calorie diet without consuming at least some fibrous carbohydrates. It is recommended that you eat five servings a day, and a good rule of thumb is to have at least one to two fruits and or vegetables at every meal. When possible, reduce added sugars, but you don't have to eliminate them. Fructose, which is also a carbohydrate, is fine. Under 100 grams a day and no major health issues are noted. Fats. Fat is similar in importance to carbohydrates. Having higher fat and lower carb may cause additional water weight loss. This is merely short term. This happens because lower carb diets can often cause some glycogen loss from your muscles, thus withdrawing water. Some people like this for the initial motivation as the scale drops a lot faster initially. But I can't emphasize the word initially enough as long-term higher fat versus higher carbohydrate diets level out. Eating more or less in relation to carbohydrates makes no difference in long-term weight loss in all lines of research assuming calories and protein are matched. Thus, for most standard diets, once protein is met and fat is set at a healthy level for hormone production, your remaining calories can be any macronutrient. So if you enjoy higher fat foods, feel free to eat a little more fat. If you prefer more carbohydrates, that's fine too. 
either way, there's no long-term difference. Now, there is the exception with the trendy ketogenic diet, which is very high fat and very low carbohydrate. While the ketogenic diet is not always adherable for everyone and possesses no physiological advantage, it may have an appetite-suppressing effect. Indeed, we see in research by taking fat higher and dropping net carbs, non-fiber carbs, to very low extremes, the state of ketosis can suppress appetite in some people, making weight loss a little simpler and a little easier for some people. However, this is not necessarily due to states of ketosis, but it's generally a state of higher protein intake. But unless you're okay with giving up starchy carbs for a long, consistent period of time, we recommend most people simply eat a reasonable amount of both carbohydrates and fat within your calorie goal. With enough protein and fiber, you can still greatly suppress your appetite. Concept 11. Artificial sweeteners require some nuance. This is probably going to ruffle some feathers, but here's what we know about artificial sweeteners. They definitely do not cause weight gain. We know that with like 99% certainty. Nothing in science is ever 100%. We work in probabilities. They have not been shown to cause any real health issues, at least documented across large populations. However, some people report GI distress or headaches after consuming certain ones. This generally varies person to person. If that is you, just skip it. Sort of like most people are fine with peanuts, but if you have a peanut allergy, you don't want to be eating peanut butter. There's some evidence that certain artificial sweeteners have different effects on blood sugar depending on your microbiome, but that doesn't really tell us much about outcomes. Again, if you find certain ones don't agree with you, don't consume them. At a population level, they're generally considered safe, do not contribute to weight gain, and may in fact help with weight loss, especially when you're switching from a kind of fully leaded sugar-sweetened beverage to a artificially sweetened beverage, you consume a lot less calories. However, if you find that they don't agree with you, just skip them. Concept 12. Alcohol in moderation is probably okay, but it isn't helping. Alcohol is empty calories, changes your decision-making around food, and sort of puts the brakes on fat metabolism while it deals with the alcohol, so be mindful of your intake. If you choose to drink, here is how you limit its effect on your progress. 1. Make sure you account for it in your calories. Weight loss is fundamentally about energy balance. If you want to lose weight or gain weight, you have to ensure that you take energy balance into account, which includes alcohol consumption. Tracking your alcohol intake is a great way to account for your alcohol and ensure that you're hitting your calorie needs. From a calorie perspective, there are a few ways to track your intake. The first is to simply utilize entries in tracking programs like my macros plus or the actual labels on drinks store-bought drinks such as beer or seltzers are required to have calorie information on them secondly you can track each individual ingredient in a mixed drink and assign seven calories per gram of alcohol a shot a standard shot contains 14 grams so that would mean a standard shot is right around 100 calories step two don't let alcohol influence your food choices I am 100% as guilty of this as anyone. I have a few drinks and all of a sudden that plate of nachos I wasn't planning on touching has now vanished. Consuming alcohol lowers your inhibitions and your ability to control food intake. Most research shows that as alcohol consumption goes up, so does your calorie intake. Three, keep your drinks simple. Simply put, the more complicated and more ingredients in your drink, the more calories it probably has. 
For example, the average pina colada has around 300 calories in a single drink, while a Long Island iced tea has 800 calories. Conversely, a vodka soda or rum and Diet Coke has about 100 calories. Concept 13. It is a long game. You can't undo a decade of habits in a month. You are on this earth for quite a while and there is no finish line. Play the long game. Don't waste time, but don't be in a major rush. Make the best long-term choices. All right, that's it for the show today. That is everything you need to know about nutrition and weight loss. I'm Dr. Brad. I'll have another episode out for you guys late this week or early next week. I'll see you guys later.